It's game week, finally. JMU is about to host Middle Tennessee State, the first FBS game for the Dukes. Uh, Noah and I will both be there, but right now we're in the studio in the Daily News Record newsroom. According to Purple and Bold podcast, I'm Shane Metlin. As I mentioned, Noah Fleischman's here with me as always, and uh, got a lot of JMU football stuff to talk about. Um, basically, just going to run down a preview of the game everybody's been looking forward to for, well, maybe a decade if you're a longtime JMU fan, uh, at least for a few months now if you're you know just kind of arriving on campus or whatever. But all right, no, we'll just get jump right in. What do you expect on Saturday? Oh, big picture. You know, big picture, like, overall, I mean, it's the atmosphere, we'll, we'll, we'll start there. It's going to be probably an electric atmosphere. I mean, the student section is already is sold out. I mean, sold out, I guess, is the way to put it. I mean, claimed out, I guess, if you want to call it. I mean, it seems like it's going to be packed out. I think there's, last I saw on Twitter, maybe 2,000 tickets left in the stadium. So it's going to be a pretty full house. I mean, if they don't sell it out, it'll feel like a sellout, at least for the most part. And, you know, Middle Tennessee is... It's a good team. I mean, picked to finish eighth in Conference USA this year, but, I mean, they're a dangerous team. This isn't an easy test for, for JMU in week one, and, and it's not going to be, you know, that 80 to nothing, you know, that Jamie's had before in this week. And, you know, their team that throws the ball, I'm sure we'll get into it, and I think that's going to be the biggest the biggest test for this JMU defense is, is the ball in the air. Yeah, we've, we've talked about JMU and their personnel and their coaching and everything every week here for the past, you know, few months. I know you've previewed every team on JMU's schedule, including Middle Tennessee State. So I'll just let you kind of give me the few-minute overview of what Middle Tennessee State is bringing to Harrisonburg because you're you're the expert here on on the Blue Raiders. Yeah, I mean, the Blue Raiders, you know, traditionally are are pass-first team. And last year they had 3,000 passing yards to just over 15 or 1,800 rushing yards. So a big difference. They struggled to run the ball last year, just about two and a half yards per carry. Terrible running offense last year. But the thing they can do is throw the ball and make throw it well. And they have a new offensive coordinator this year who his philosophy is the air raid offense, and I think that's what we're going to see on Saturday. They want to run the ball, but Jamie's strength right now is defensive line, so I, I expect them to, to attack Jamie's young secondary and, and throw the ball deep. And they've got two quarterbacks. Chase Cunningham is the probably the starter. I mean, he was the guy who started. He was their started most of their games last year before going down with an injury they put a freshman in nick um laviato or, or some i forgot his last name off the top of my head but he came in and, and won a bowl game for them so either one they put in is going to play well and i think they'll go with chase cunningham the, the redshirt senior but you know they throw the ball in offense on defense they've got jordan ferguson on the defensive line who is an animal for them he's a leading tackler he, he gets everything done they lost a linebacker and a safety um both the nfl so they're going to have new people there, but their defensive line is anchored, anchored by Jordan Ferguson, who who finds a way to get in the backfield, get to the quarterback. And, and Jamie's offensive line, they've got a year of experience. He's going to be a quick test of, you know, how good are they? Yeah. You mentioned quarterback. They, like JMU, have not mm. declared a starter yeah. here, um, you know, less than all right, coming up on, you know, 48 hours away <laughs> from the kickoff. They haven't declared a starter either. But I think it's a little more of a mystery, maybe for Middle Tennessee State, than it is for JMU. I mean, it's, I mean it, it still says or on the depth chart, but we all expect Tots and Teo to start for JMU. You, I think, you mentioned you ha- you have your thoughts on who's yeah. going to start for them, but it's, it's maybe a little bit more up in the air. Maybe to play two guys. I don't know. What do you think? Slightly, I think they'll they'll go with Chase Cunningham. He was the guy that that played most of the year last year for them before he tore his ACL, and I think he's going to win the job for them. And we'll see him out there on Saturday. But again. 
if he goes out of the game for whatever reason, they've got to back up that one bowl game. And I think that's something big. And, and you, most teams don't have that, right? When you when you knock out the starter and you have a guy who comes in, it's just as good. So I think that's going to be a big test for JMU. But, you know, when you look at it from JMU's thing, side of things, the defense is probably the question mark. The offense, you know, you know what you're getting. They return seven starters. You got Tots and Tao back. You know, you, you, you know what you're getting out of the offense for the defense this week. It's going to be a test. Um, defensive line is was the deepest part of this team and now it's not as deep it's still pretty deep on the defense side of the side of the ball um but that secondary corner is the, the position to watch if you're going to circle position on defense that's the that's the spot to watch yeah and you know we just talked on this off the air will they get exposed at corner it, it's it's question marks and you know we don't see enough of them in practice to really know for sure yeah like maybe these guys are awesome we haven't really seen them put to the test yet yeah but it it's definitely question marks, especially against a team that's going to go after them. I mean, you've got one combined start at JMU from Jamie's corners. So, I mean, you've got guys that have played in other places before. You've got a guy like Devin Coles who made starts in Norfolk State. But one JMU start in a JMU uniform, which is Jordan Swan, who will obviously be a starter for this team. And, and Xavier Coakley, I think, will, will start opposite of him. And, and you'll see a guy like Brent Austin, a true freshman from California. He'll get some snaps. And, and you've got a guy like, you know, uh, you, you've got other guys that are going to come out there and, and really have an opportunity, but it's a young cornerback room. And, you know, Antoine Boost, another guy who will probably see a lot of, um, granted, he came from Michigan State, didn't play there, but had, you know, a year worth of practice at that level. So that could help, right, in this situation. But, I mean, when you're playing a redshirt senior and then you've got a lot of young guys after him, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. And I expect Middle Tennessee's offense to really go after them in the first half and see what if they can stop the throw, then, you know, great. But if, if they are successful, I think they're going to continue to throw the ball. Yeah, you mentioned Brent Austin, this guy I've got my eye on for this game. Assuming he's going to be on the field, he's on a two-deep. Kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, yeah, talk- <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, during spring camp, I mean, he wasn't even – don't even think he was here in the spring. No, he got here over the summer. And when you think about it, a guy from California, first of all, Jamie doesn't recruit California. And got a yeah. guy who didn't have many offers out of high school. He's a track runner, really, is what he is. He was, like, I think the top five. They were on the top five four-by-one or four-by-four relay team in the state of California, which is obviously a big track state. So he's got the speed to hang in there, and it's just going to see if, if he's got the physicality to hang with these receivers, which Middle Tennessee has some big, strong, fast receivers. And Brent Austin's not the biggest guy, but I think he's got the, the speed to, to keep up with them. Yeah, I think he had one FCS <laughs> offer other than JMU, like, I if he comes in on Saturday and plays and plays well, I I think my first question to Kurt Signetti is going to be how did you find this guy? Like how did this guy end up being recruited by JMU because I it it's a pretty awesome story like if he plays pretty well because like he's not your typical JMU recruit at all and he's probably in line among the true freshmen to maybe get as much playing time as anybody. I think he he probably will get the most playing time of any true freshman on the defensive side of the ball i mean you look at him he was the first team you know all conference selection his senior year this past year you know he looks like he's like a late bloomer football wise most of his stuff is from either his junior or senior year uh, but you know yeah he was um number four ranked four by one team in the state of california which is you know he's got the speed but yeah i think he's gonna have the biggest impact as a freshman on the defensive side of the ball a guy like trent hendrick though you know linebacker he's on the 2d a freshman he's another guy i think that he'll see some time on the field kind of you know you can you can leave Torres Jones and Jalen Walker out there for a while but I think at some point they're gonna have to come off for at least a couple snaps and we'll see him out there yeah and one way to make things easier on 
you know, an inexperienced Brent Austin or any of the cornerbacks <laughs> yeah. is to get some pressure on the yeah. quarterback. Um, so the, the defensive line versus the uh, Middle Tennessee offensive line, something's gotten talked about a little bit this week uh, in part because uh, the one, ret- I think the only returning starter for Middle Tennessee on their, on their off- uh, their offensive center. line, the center, Jordan Palmer, he basically said he's not worried about JMU at all. <laughs> that um, he, was Jamari- very, he was very confident, even yeah. though, you know, he, he pointed out Jamari Edwards being the guy that's, you know, shifty guy from Marshall who – Albeit last year, maybe had his best game of his college career against this team, yeah. with three and a half tackles for a loss, and and that was a pretty good offensive line yeah. last year that lost a couple of two transfers. guys. Yeah, they lost three transfers. Two of them, I would say, transferring up. Yeah, you know, uh, looks like one guy's you know maybe going to start or play for Mississippi State. Another guy went to Houston. Um, so to show that much confidence in the offensive line, <laughs> I think that's beyond like you know we wrote about everybody's talking about the you know the bulletin board material. But just beyond that, it's an interesting look to see where, you know, Jamie's got some new guys, but they're mostly experienced guys yeah. on the defensive line um, going against, you know, an offensive line that really is, hasn't played any snaps together. Uh, so I think that's, you know, probably a huge key for JMU on the defense side of the ball is, you know, take care of it before the ball's in the air <laughs> so that the cornerbacks don't have to worry about quite as much yeah i mean especially with the team that's going to throw the ball the quarterbacks can have the ball a lot and and you know when you look at jamie defensive line um it's a deep spot on the edge the interior not as deep i mean they moved john Marie chrome off from the edge to the back to the inside where he played a little bit at rutgers when he was there um but you know we talked to isaac Gugu this week about it and you know he said it's actually a good thing to move chrome inside he's a smaller guy um he's got he's gonna be quicker than the interior offensive lineman he's going against so that might actually pay off for for JMU and I think that's me like when you look at defensive side of the ball if if the quarterback is able to get the ball out of his hand it's going to be on the corners but if the defensive line can really just penetrate and make that quarterback's life a little more harder you you might give your corners an opportunity to to you know get there and safeties and things like that but defensive line's where it's going to start but corners I think you know where you're going to have to keep an eye on and you say John Chroma is a smaller guy he's not small He's really tall. He's he looks like a defensive end. You know, yeah. He's been a defensive end. And you talk about his quickness and everything, but I do also kind of wonder if going against an air raid team, having that length, those long arms yeah. in the passing lanes, <laughs> maybe will, you know, be something that can make a little bit of a difference. I just called a guy who's six foot four, two hundred and fifty eight pounds small, <laughs> yeah. as I am five foot eight, hundred and forty three pounds. <laughs> I think I think I'm the small one here, but yeah, it's relative. But it's, yes. it's it's athletic <laughs> because when you look at you know Jamari Edwards is six three two eighty one, so he's twenty pounds lighter than Jamari Edwards, who is a quick guy, and I think you know that that'll work out for for JMU. But yes, it's kind of weird calling a guy who's six four two fifty eight. You know when I'm five eight one forty, he's basically yeah. two of me. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it's relative. Like you, when you think about interior defensive linemen, sometimes you're thinking about a guy who's. 511 290 <laughs> yeah and it looks different than him uh, i mean he's been going just, against yeah. guys that are i mean most of their offensive line is 300 pounds so yeah um so yeah the quickness advantage there um could be in jamie's favor yeah just yeah like we were saying before how much pressure they can get on the quarterback whoever it ends up being from middle tennessee state seems like that's going to be like the number one key for jamie's defense i think we said we were talking a lot about defense because there's not as many question marks on the offensive side of the ball, but we will talk about the offensive side of the ball. We will. Um, obviously, 
JMU is going to want to run the ball very well because they got a deep stable running backs. It keeps the ball out of Milton State's hands the if, they're, if they're moving the ball <laughs> on the ground. Um, you have an experienced quarterback in Todd Santeo, yeah, but not much JMU experience and maybe not – I don't know. We'll see if Kurt Signetti and his staff have the same kind of trust in Todd Santeo that they had in Cole Johnson last year um, when there was basically – no concern at all that Cole Johnson would make a mistake. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll see if it's the same kind of trust level in Todd Santeo when they get out there and start run, running their offense this time around. Yeah, I mean, you know, Todd Santeo, a guy who's been there, done that, you know, that's Christian Danny always likes to talk, say he's been through the wars, right? He he played all last year at Colorado State as their starter for the whole year. Um, he went through a war at Hawaii, throwing 500 yards and losing, but, you know, I think he's got it, and I think the reason why they'll have trust in him is they're not going to rely on him as heavily as they did Cole Johnson last year. He's not going to have to throw a million times a game when you have the running opportunity that not only your running backs have, but Tots and Teo can run and move the ball that way too. So I think we'll see a lot of, you know, you could see some read options. We could see, we're going to see play action, things like that. But um, I think, you know, they, they've they liked him. They've used him as the number one quarterback almost the entire fall camp and I think that's kind of what earns the trust the most if this was really you know big time quarterback competition and they didn't trust him I think we would have seen more of Billy Atkins with the ones but overall I think he's ready to go and, and obviously they haven't named just prefacing this they haven't officially named him a starter yet it's still an or on the depth chart but it's assumed Kurt Signetti multiple times has said he has a good idea the team has a good idea and then he's later said you know Todd Santeo's got a lot more first team reps than everyone else so you can put the puzzle pieces together for yourself and and assume that he'll be the starter. But when you look at that, you know, it's good. Wide receiver, not really a question mark. You got Chris Thorne, you know what you get with him, Terrence Green, and then Reggie Brown, who was a breakout guy last year, and I think he is primed to have a really big season for them. Yeah, and um, you, you mentioned all those guys. Uh, Devin Ravenel um, is number two at a few different spots <laughs> on the depth chart. So, I mean, he's a guy who I think is going to be, you know, slipped in there in different packages and everything. And we saw what his speed could do last year during yeah. the uh, – FCS playoffs, um, and and Kurt Signetti kind of singled him out a little bit here at one of his recent press conferences um, as a guy who I think is going to going to potentially make some plays for them. So yeah, they they seem to have what they're looking for at wide receiver, which was another slight question mark maybe like it was a, it was start, like a... at the start of camp. <laughs> I mean, they knew they had a couple of really good players, but yeah. it seems like they filled in those gaps there. They're not not too much concerned about the depth there. Mentioned running back. Um, There's no concern there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, per se, it's back. Um, yeah, I think sounds like Kalon Black's probably going to get, you know, a good you get chunk of dose. carries. Um, Latrell Palmer um, seems like he's going to be playing on Saturday. I, yeah. Uh, how do they distribute the carries? Do you think? I mean, I mean, we Kurt, we, Kurt mentioned he mentioned the other day like <laughs> Percy can carry it forty times if they wanted to. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to do that this week. No, I think you know we'll see an even. I I would say you know Percy. He already said Percy will be the starting running back. It's going to go a little trail behind him and then Kalon. Obviously, three totally different running backs. Kind of wrote about this. Wrote about that this week, and and they can use them in different ways. They can put multiple of them on the field because I mean Kalon is a, a great pass catcher as well. And I think, you know, you might see an even dose. I think you're going to see a little bit more of, of Percy than anyone else. But I still think, you know, there's a possibility where you have multiple backs with over 50 yards rushing. You could, and theoretically, we'll see how heavy run defense, offense they go this week. You could see multiple with over 100 yards. I'm just going to put it out there. I want to see it. 
multiple running backs with over 100 yards on the ground this weekend um, if they really commit to the run. But Kurt Signetti, he foreshadowed that a few weeks ago, talking about, you know, wanting to get back to his running ways, which most of his teams do that. But then this week, asked about it, he said, we'll see what we do on Saturday. He doesn't want to give Middle Tennessee anything, but I think, you know, that is a good thing. And you've got this offensive line. That's going to be the biggest, the biggest key to that. And, and there's all back it's a veteran offensive line coming back it's the same unit listed right now at first team that ended the year last year they just moved Tyshawn Wyatt around with Tyler Stevens but I think they really like that too yeah I was going to mention that we, we we talked about the middle Tennessee offensive line yeah having not played together at all you know this is essentially the same five guys that were on the field November through December mm-hmm. for JMU they play the most meaningful year. games yeah um and also I'm I've noted this like multiple times, but they brought in transfers that I think most people probably assumed would come in and start right away, and they didn't beat these guys out. No, and, I mean, like, they brought in these transfers that people thought, you know, you have Isaac Owusu Apaya from Coastal, and you have Andrew Dare from Liberty, and people thought, you know, they're going to push for the starting job, and I think they did early in camp, but I think, you know, they realized what they liked the unit they have, and, and Andrew Dare not even listed on the two deep. I wouldn't really read much into that. Um, he was doing a lot of second team work through camp. Um, Carter Miller kind of came on strong at the end, a freshman who's now listed at, as second team center. But yeah, I mean, I still see them. You, we still could see them. I mean, there's not. A, I don't think week one really is going to be the same offensive line by the end of the year. But uh, I think they'll shuffle some people in and out yeah. too. Um, you know, especially if they're trying to grind it <laughs> out and keep the ball in their own hands. Um, and I think you'll you'll see that. Um, but it, it is just interesting to see that it's essentially the same. Yeah, five guys as end of the year last year, especially because you know things got shuffled around at the end of the year last year. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy like Tanner Morris was not super experienced when he got thrown in at center, um, and did a really good job, and you know has just you know locked that job down since taking it uh, and uh, earning it. You know, late in the season last year, so um, I think they got to feel pretty comfortable about the offensive line. As with the defensive line we talked about, and that's been the word since since they got to campus, is that you know we feel pretty good about our depth on both lines. Yeah, they were they they're kind of shaky right now interiorly wise. You know, he said that was kind of a concern of, of Signetti's, but I think if they can get their week one healthy, I think it'll be. Fine. I think it won't really be a concern. You know, you have four interior guys that are that are going to play there. I mean, James Carpenter, a guy that Signetti's high on, and he even said in the press conference he's like he's a good nose guard and he's like none of you have seen that yet but he's good and they're getting jordan funk back this week is and then you have uh edwards and curl um there as well so i think they'll be fine yeah um we'll talk a little special teams because the depth chart kind of gave us our first clue into the special teams a little bit i mean we saw some in the spring game but we haven't seen yeah he's talked about he's talked about it a few times yeah um interesting i think to see uh, chris thornton was listed uh, as kick returner, um, I saw a few few of the comments on like my Twitter feed were like, I don't want him anywhere near special teams, but it <laughs> doesn't seem to be a major concern for the coaching staff. No, and I, I think he'll be back there, but you know, I think you'll see other guys go back there too. Yeah, like, I could, see, I honestly could see a guy like Wayne Knight going back there, returning kicks. You know, you could see they've got enough running backs. You could do it with one of them. Yeah, that seems like that would be a good opportunity to get the ball in that kid's hands. Cause I mean, they every, all everybody think like, Yeah, everybody thinks he's going to be really good. I don't know what kind of carry, like, if he's going to be able to get carries. He, he also, I don't know if he's going to be a guy. He, I think he's a guy who could play and probably help you, especially on special teams right away. 
but is he also maybe a guy where where you're so deep at running back that maybe you try not to play him this year or keep him under the four games so he keeps that redshirt year? I think you know he, he. I think we'll see him. To be honest, I mean, do you really need the redshirt year? Is the question because yeah. after this year you're only losing one running back. Yeah, and I don't know how. You know, they've managed those redshirt years here recently, similar to how maybe they've always would have done it. I don't know if the advent of the transfer portal, the one-time transfer, the pretty much free agency, if that changes the way like coaches are going to go about it. Like, yeah. you know, do you try to keep the guy for the fifth year when there's no guarantee he wants to stay around for five years? Like, <laughs> I mean, he could um, be like, I'm hitting the portal after year two. And- yeah. Um, so, I mean, ideally, coaches are always going to do exactly what's best for the players yeah. and the program and balance that out somehow but you do kind of have to wonder if that maybe i guess looked at it a little bit differently is like am i redshirting him for somebody else yeah. as opposed to my <laughs> own program which um yeah i mean i think that probably not saying that he would leave considering his brother is showing up yeah but i mean you just never know i mean yeah guy with a brother on the team's left before um, <laughs> <laughs> the, but um yeah just generally speaking i do wonder if that kind of makes it a little more incentive to just go ahead and play true freshman if they're ready. And he's a guy who seems like, other than the fact they're so deep at his position, he every indication so far has been that he's ready. Yeah. Um, to at least help you on special teams or something. So that's interesting. Um, we talked, you know, return game a little bit. Um, kicking game itself, um, we did kind of get some indication. Uh, I personally, at least have not seen anyone kick a field goal other than Ethan Ratke at JMU well, in a we long, saw in the long time. Game. We saw in the spring game. Did they kick? They kicked, the, they kicked a few. They, they missed a few, but they kicked Yeah, that's few. right. That's right. Uh, but um, Signetti did say, uh, when was our press conference? That was, it was Tuesday. It was Tuesday. Well, we the talked Monday and Tuesday. The, 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 <laughs> those are all running together. But he did say that Camden Wise is doing a good job there. And he they listed him as the... Yeah. Um, so that when I look at this JMU team... And I look like, oh, they're really good in this spot. They've got a veteran quarterback. They're really good at running back. They've got wide receivers. Their defensive line should be good. Well, I look at this team. The main concerns, though, are areas that can cost you games. And we've talked about cornerback. And then also you don't want to, like, leave points on the field when it comes to place kicking. So you've been almost automatic in that spot for several years now. That will be something I think is like interesting to see how he goes out there and does yeah. when there's 25,000 people in a full stadium and a little more pressure on you <laughs> and you've never done it before. And what if you need a field goal to win? I mean, they, they have, you know, I think I think they have a lot of confidence in him. I mean, there's four kickers on the roster right now and, and he won the job. And, and Signetti's been speaking highly of him for most of camp. And then you look at the punting unit, you know, Sam Clark there. I think you know what you're getting out of that, so. Yeah. It's not really a question mark. Yeah. And when you talk about a coach that probably pays as much attention to detail as anyone in the country when it comes to Kurt Signetti, you know, coming from his family, coming from Nick Saban's coaching tree, um, certainly can expect that he's paid plenty of attention to the details when it comes to the special teams stuff, too. And that, like, that's generally, generally, those teams, those coaches have teams that are really good at special teams. Um, it's just, a little bit of a you know unseen unknown in my mind <laughs> anyway like just when it comes to like 
God, yeah. this guy really kick. I mean, yeah, and I think we'll figure it out, you know, Saturday. And, and you know, for JMU people are hoping that he's just kicking extra points and you don't have to worry about kicking field goals. But we'll see what happens. I mean, FBS football now, you may not be able to – I mean, if they struggle like they did in the Red Zone last year, it's going to be a problem. But yeah. we'll see what happens. I, I still go back to last year. With all, as much as I was concerned from the fans about the red zone, red zone struggling, I still tend to think they kept it intentionally vanilla when they knew they were going to win those games, whether they kicked the field goal or got a touchdown and didn't show too much until later in the season. Because it changed in November <laughs> compared to you know uh, October as far as the red zone goes. And yeah, I... That was never as much of a concern for me as it was for, I think, some of the fans. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Getting close to wrapping it up here. We went through the offense. We went through the defense, special teams. We talked Middle Tennessee State. We hit on the atmosphere a little bit. There's, you know, some tickets available. So will this be a sellout? Will this be a completely packed house? I'm frankly a little surprised that it hasn't been sold out for a couple weeks. I'm gonna um, go with I'm gonna go with no, just because it's not sold out yet. But second of all, I think that it doesn't. Don't think it's gonna make too big of a difference between what they have now showing up to the sellout. I mean, it's only gonna be a few thousand person difference, maybe two thousand, fifteen hundred. So I think it'll look full on TV. It'll sound full. Yeah. And I think that's really all the coaching staff cares about is you know. There's a difference between. 23,000 that they could have, which it mm-hmm. sounds like they're going to have, and 16,000, oh, which yeah. is what could have happened. I don't really think there's a big difference between 23 and 25,000. Uh, it's going to be a great crowd. It's going to be a raucous crowd. And the building, yeah, it's going to appear full unless you're like really getting your binoculars out to look at the upper corners <laughs> or something. And then they have the paratrooper. But yeah, I do, I do think though, from a PR standpoint, from a conference standpoint, that they really would like to be able to announce sellouts. Oh yeah, um, you know, and I think they'll have some this year. Like um, things change on the uh, select a seat website just based on what they can make available with the returns and different things. But uh, like, there's been times where if you go look at the Marshall, there's no seats left. Um, yeah, and and that changes. You know, they open up a few other things, but I I would imagine that game. <clears throat> family weekend against Texas State, some of those are going to be like complete sellouts. But I really do think like the athletic department would like mm. to see the walk-ups to the point where they can say, like, yeah, this game was sold out this year. Like Our opener was sold out. We sold out multiple games. Um, complete sellouts. Um, we'll be interested to see. I'm a little, maybe they do have this lined up, but I'm a little surprised maybe that they don't have some sort of arrangement for somebody to buy a small number of tickets to make it a sellout, um, even a discount price so they can announce those things. But we'll see. I think the walk-up crowd could potentially be decent. Like, yeah. uh, there's a lot of buzz. You know, I drive around town just with the radio on and people talking about, like, the JMU game on Saturday. Um, crowd, tailgates, everything. So I, I think it'll – I think there's a good possibility it ends up being a complete sellout. Either way, it's going to be a tremendous atmosphere. All right, we we months ago made our, all our predictions for the season, but yep. knowing everything we know now, give me your prediction for Saturday, this game. Who's going to win? What's the score? Who's going to be JMU's MVP? Okay, it's going to go I'm going 28-17. to 
Jamie will win. The MVP will be Totten Tail. I think, you know, this offense is going to run through him. Even though they're going to be a running-based offense, most likely it's still going to go through him, being the fact that he can actually run the ball. So that's where we're going with, you know, for week one. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go 31-20 and uh, Jamie win. And I and we're not too far off there. I'm gonna go MVP. Um, it's a tough one. He's thinking. Yes. The wheels are turning in yeah. Shane's head. We'll say Jamari Edwards with two and a half sacks. <laughs> oh. Okay. Jamari Edwards, though, for those of you that don't know, he's played Middle Tennessee three times in his career. He has seven tackles, three and a half of those for a loss. Or four, no, four for a loss, three and a half of those last year in their game last year, and a sack. So, I mean, yeah. it's possible. Yeah. But I think they know it's coming. He might get doubled hard in the inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see about that. Um, well, that's it for us. It's game week. Next time you hear from us, we will have um, some tangible results to talk about, discuss, and uh, – And look at Norfolk State. Yeah, too. look at Norfolk State. and. You know, might not get quite as heavy into uh, <laughs> into the Spartans, but you know, might be a little bit more looking back. But it's football season now, and that's got everybody excited, and uh, should give us plenty to talk about moving forward for the next twelve. I don't know how many weeks they got some off weeks, eleven games. But you know, we'll have plenty to talk about from now through the rest of the school year. Got a lot. Yeah. With that, we'll go ahead and sign off. I'm Shane Metlin. You've been listening to me and Noah Fleischman, and this is a Purple and Bold podcast. Thank you for clicking.